Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Another episode of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, we're coming off a very interesting uh, Michigan race where, uh, I guess, the biggest dominator chalk in Kyle Busch busted early. Uh, I didn't have a bad day. I didn't have a great day. I had one lineup that was in it in the Chrome Horn uh, in the last 20 laps. That kept me from really losing a ton of money. Uh, kind of just a meh kind of week for me. But how was how did Michigan treat you? Uh, it was it was okay. Uh, I'm not sure I expected there to be like a restrictor plate type big one uh, that took out quite a lot of people. Um, so that that wasn't great. Um, late race restarts were kind of interesting. Uh, especially Bubba's comment about how Joey Logano should get a big fat check from Ford, um, you know, for kind of holding him up. Not that not that he said Joey did anything wrong. Just nah, like, he didn't say that. Just uh, that basically Joey did what he had to do for the manufacturer, kind of held up another guy from having a shot. Um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting race. Harvick late looked like he had a rocket ship under him. That car came alive. Um, not necessarily shocking he'd won there three times in a row previously, so now it's four times in a row at Michigan for Harvick. It did break a streak, though, that like the last nine races in Michigan had not seen a new winner on the season. And so that broke the you know, Harvick winning broke the streak. Now there's 15 winners, so we've got a legit shot here at having too many winners to win your way into the playoffs. It's crazy because, like, this week is definitely a week where Martin Truex Jr. could go out, win. Yes, or Blaney. Um, We saw Blaney perform very well here. Um, There's still Daytona on the horizon, and anybody could win that. That could be a race that Bubba wins. It's uh, and the road courses have been have been a little unpredictable too this year. Yeah, like Larson has not looked good. The Hendrick cars generally haven't looked all that great at road courses, aside from Chase Elliott Road America. Um, could we see Tyler Reddick go out and win a third straight road course at Watkins Glen? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, kind of kind of nuts. Uh, we do have a little bit of news to get to. Uh, NASCAR silly season still rolling. Uh, we're getting a clearer picture of the uh, 2023 lineup. Noah Gragson is officially getting the promotion from the number nine car in the Xfinity series with JRM, and he is taking over Ty Dillon's seat in the 42 car for Petty GMS. Uh, given that Petty GMS is a two-car team and they're going to be going forward with Eric Jones and Noah Gregson, do you think that this is a good – Is this, this is probably an upgrade over Ty Dillon, correct? I would presume so. I'd say uh, so. Gregson's a more talented driver than Ty Dillon, for sure. Dillon is a guy who tends to probably take better care of his equipment than Noah Gregson. Um, definitely does not Checkers have the, records, baby. Yeah, definitely doesn't have the personality that Gregson does, uh, for better or worse, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, so yeah, I would say that this is an upgrade for them. Um, it was kind of Gregson's only real, I mean, that or the eight, right? But the eight's not actually open until 2024 at this right. point, pending they buy Tyler Reddick out and force. Force twenty three eleven to make a move sooner, um, but yeah, I mean this was really the only known Chevy car to be open at this point, as far as I'm aware. So, you know, I yeah, I think it's an upgrade. I thought it was very interesting that they announced it sans sponsorship. Um, that they felt comfortable enough with him in the car to do it without a full-time or at least mostly sold sponsorship package um but yeah so but on that front let's play some stuff out for a little by the way drew dollar put out a a tweet with nine smiley faces on it if you want to get cryptic and believe that he knows that he's going to the nine for jrm i think that's a bad decision it'd be a bad decision from a driver's standpoint but he does have funding he does have funding, which is good because he's going to wreck a whole lot of <laughs> And so that funding is going to go for paying back the uh, labor time for JRM staff. Um, so there's a couple of interesting possibilities that could be arising here. Uh, Kurt Busch is out this week again, in case you hadn't heard. Uh, he called this week the most frustrating because he felt very good mentally until he tried to get physically ready to go race and then it backtracked on him. Um, let's play this out and say that Kurt Busch decides that this is his last year, that the concussion is just too much. He doesn't want to risk it. Um, you know, he's got some other stuff he could wind up doing. So pretty good in the booth. He is pretty good. In the I booth. enjoy him in the booth. So let's say for sake of argument that Kurt Busch steps aside. He had signed a multi-year deal with 2311. Right, that leaves a Toyota open. Do we think one of two things happens? Either Denny talks his boss and Ty Gibbs's grandfather into abandoning the development plan for Ty Gibbs and sticking Ty Gibbs in the 45 car, which he's already grown accustomed to at this point, having basically a month in the Cup Series, or option two, Ty Gibbs stays down in Xfinity. Kyle goes to drive for Denny and takes over his brother's ride. Or option three, RCR goes, it's going to be way too awkward for another year. We're going to buy out Tyler Reddick, and Tyler Reddick moves into the 45 for 2023. 
All right. Uh, <clears throat> that's a lot of moving pieces. Only Let's one of those is going to happen because we're not putting three drivers <laughs> in the 45, obviously. I would say if if the first option happens where they talk Gibbs or, or Denny talks Joe Gibbs into letting Ty Gibbs take over the 45, I imagine it has to be some kind of a handshake deal where – you know, it's it's just kind of like a starter ride for Gibbs. That's not going to be his final landing spot. Like, there's no way in hell Joe Gibbs does not want. He wants his grandson eventually taking over the 18. That's Mike, well, is it the 18 or would it be the 11? Because sentimentally, the 11 is more sentimental number-wise to Gibbs. Fair. One of those. Could it be a handshake deal that? <clears throat> That basically, once Denny retires, Gibbs gets either Denny or once once one of those like seats is freed up. Because I'm growing more and more optimistic by the day that Kyle Busch is just is probably going to end up back at JGR. Interesting. Because uh, there's I, mean, I would I would like to see would, for the sake of drama, I would like to see a really big like bombshell drop where Kyle Busch somehow ends up at SHR and that's a huge boost to that team because really outside of uh, Kevin Harvick you can make an argument for Chase Briscoe like Eric Almarola might come back on a part-time schedule Cole Custer has to go they need to get good drivers in those cars yes um so I mostly think that Gibbs I think the most likely scenario is still that Gibbs stays in Xfinity for 2023 I still think he's probably too young for the Cup Series and I'm saying this after he finished top 10 last week and scored his first top 10 in the cup series. Um, but I, I would be very, very surprised if he had a full-time cup ride next year. And he, in, if that was the case, he'd already be a top 20, arguably a top 15 driver in the cup series. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in just a small sample size. Like he does belong there. But I think I would be surprised if they deviated from this this plan that they have to keep him in Xfinity for 2023. I would be too. So I think if Kurt retires, I think the most likely option is that Tyler Reddick goes, okay, why don't you just buy me out? And then go, you know, RCR can call up somebody, um, another, or can sell the – can sell the um, maybe that's what happens they get Junior to buy charters from RCR and the money that they sell the charters for essentially pays for the buyout for Redick to move to the 45 a year early and then they can go to a three car team if they need to but then there's no extra outlay for 2311 because they're not they don't have to get a third car on the track okay now, my next question is, how likely is it that RCR just willingly buys Tyler Reddick out? He's got two wins this year, and he's he's arguably that be- that team's best chance to get a championship either this year or next year. Because whoever steps in for Tyler Reddick in the eight car, they're not going to be nearly on his level in terms of just talent. Right. So it's, this is – It's this is slim. This is RCR's best chance to get a championship either this year or next year. and And so even in this – situation where we think that they could buy Tyler Reddick out. I'm like, I, I understand he's gone for 2024, but if you're championship hunting, he's your best chance. Yeah. I mean, 
Is there anybody besides Noah capable of coming up from the Xfinity series right now? Uh, Aside from Ty. Maybe Allgaier? Yeah, but that's not, that's a drop in. That's, it's not. You're getting older and you're losing talent. Um. Uh, no, like Gibbs is the biggest name right now. Right. So if twenty three eleven can't convince Joe Gibbs to allow Ty to come race for Michael Jordan, and they don't convince RCR to buy out Reddick, and Kurt says I've had enough, then there's an opening we didn't foresee coming. I love how this is all dependent on Kurt's decision. Because I think he still wants to race. I think he just I mean, it is. He's got a multi-year deal, so he's got a seat for next year. If he wants to come back, he's already got a deal. It's just a matter of does he, at whatever he is, 42 years old, want to give it a go knowing that another hard hit forces a bigger concussion? I think once he can get his health right, I think it's it's a better time for him to answer that question. Um, I mean, he's had a good year. He's got to win. Yeah. Play, oh. He's qualified for the playoffs. Like, yeah. <clears throat> so, on that note, though, let's let's turn our attention to Richmond this week. Um, you know, it, it's kind of known as the action track, though it's been lacking in action for most of the last decade. Well, the spring race was pretty good. The spring race was, but that's like. One in ten races, are we getting sure? But for that? I mean, I think the big concern about this car on short flat tracks uh, coming into Richmond was like Richmond was for the most part a pretty boring track, uh, kind of tough to pass. Uh, you get multiple drivers falling many laps down. Uh, but <clears throat> in the spring race, we saw you know four different drivers lead at least sixty laps. We saw plenty of drivers lead uh, log double-digit fastest laps, and, and I'll let you spill the beans on the one that's probably the most surprising. Oh, we want to do that now? Can... Go ahead. <laughs> do we want to do that now, or we want to go until we're talking about budget plays? I don't see why we would wait until budget plays, because I'm not going to get a lot of exposure to him this week. Yeah, okay. So Michael McDowell in the spring race put together one of the more ridiculous stat lines you're going to see. Um, he started 24th. That's not the ridiculous part. He finished 30th, okay? A lot of people start in the mid-20s and finish 30th. He only got as high as 20. He also finished five laps down. Yeah. But in that time, he managed to put up 31 fastest laps. Tied in with William Byron and only three behind Truex. (laughs) It's it's one of life's greatest mysteries. How in the world did did, did Michael McDowell put up 31 fastest laps while running basically between 24th and 30th, the entire, his average running position was 30th. So, like, he was 20th for a blip of a second. And then he started falling backwards despite having a rocket ship to put up 31 fastest laps. I wonder if he was just way off the cycle and pitch strategy of everybody else that at some point in the race... He had when way faster tires? And when he just had way fresher tires over over the field, and he was just clicking off the fastest laps, multiple laps down. It's entirely possible. That's yeah. really the only thing that makes any sense. Um, 
in, in my opinion. To give you an idea, in the other races combined this year, Michael McDowell has 36 total fastest laps. He hasn't had more than nine in any other race. So that would be my assumption is that he was so far back, they were just doing home run pit calls, and he had very fresh tires when everybody else didn't. That would be my only my only thought. All right. Uh, this weekend's schedule is it's nice. It's compact. Uh, I actually really like it. I'm not going to be hustling to get the playbook out early on Saturday, even though it'll probably still be up Saturday morning with updates following after practice and qualifying. But uh, the Camping World Truck Series has practice and qualifying starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time. The Cup Series will follow at 5.05 with their practice and qualifying. Truck Series, uh, the Worldwide Express 250, uh, scheduled for a green flag shortly after 8 p.m. Um, hard to believe there's only six races left for the trucks this year, and it's August. Um, yeah, that's pretty nuts, because they end their championships <clears throat> the same weekend as everybody else's, which yes, is they have, the first weekend in November. So They have one race in August, which is this race. They have two in September, two in October, and then the championship race in November. That's a whole lot of off time. They got a lot of off time coming up. Um, but then the Cup Series races 3 p.m. Sunday. Uh, yeah, pretty basic week. I do like these lighter weeks. Uh, I, I I cherish the weekends where I only have to worry about one playbook. Yeah, I do kind of miss <clears throat> the Saturday night Cup race at, at Richmond. Like Saturday under the lights for the Cup race at Richmond is kind of nice. I'm a little bummed they got rid of it. Um kind of felt like the passing or the track was kind of better at nighttime. Um, but, you know, TV and money and whatever dictates it's a Sunday afternoon race. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It'll be a 400-lap race for the Cup Series, 300 miles around that 0.75-mile uh, flat, kind of D-shaped oval, um, you know, short track that we've all come to. Come to love, as as it were. Well, I guess we uh, can just dive right in and start talking about Joe Gibbs Racing and the Toyotas. Uh, this is a track that they historically dominate at. We saw Denny win here back in the spring. Uh, Kyle Busch <clears throat> only led one lap at a 24 fastest laps. Martin Truex Jr. led 80 laps with 34 fastest laps. Uh, Christopher Bell led 63 laps with 19 fastest laps and these are all joe gibbs racing drivers they got the win they got plenty of laps led plenty of fastest laps like they show up with the right setups for these short flag tracks and i don't think we should expect any different this weekend and especially in a win it's a what pretty much a must win scenario for martin truex jr yes at this point yeah because i don't i mean yes he's got the road course coming up which obviously he's been Historically pretty good at road courses, though not so much this year because JGR has absolutely bombed the setup for every other road course that we've seen so far. Um, So, yeah, I would look out of those guys. I'm still not sold on Denny. Yes, he won it. I understand. But he led like five laps and it was basically because he caught somebody on a restart. like I, I just have a hard time putting my finger on on Hamlin as to when he's going to have speed and when he's not going to have speed. Um, so if I'm going with anybody from JGR, we're going with Truex. 
Um, and then probably Bell would be my number two. Is that just based on pricing or? Um, yeah, I mean, he's certainly cheap, cheaper. Um, at 9,600, he's almost two grand less than Kyle Busch. Um, he's like 1,500 <clears throat> less than Danny and 1,000 less than Truex. But it also has to do with the fact that he had speed here earlier in the year. He won New Hampshire, which is a comparable track. Um, I don't remember exactly what he did at Phoenix. I can go back and, and check. He started well, but didn't finish very well there. So, you know, there is that. But the the Toyotas have kind of been building in speed of late. But there's also the fact that Christopher Bell has been on kind of a heater in the second half of the season. Like, they have figured something out with that team. They have consistently had good speed. He's got double-digit laps led in four straight races. Yeah, he put up, I mean, even though he finished 26th last weekend, he had 31 laps led and 31 fastest laps. Yeah, completely different track setup. But again, New Hampshire is comparable. Didn't and he get into some just kind of like bad luck wreck last week with yeah. Chastain when Chastain was a lap down but trying to get around him? Yeah. Yeah. So, and New Hampshire, um, Nashville's a little comparable, not totally, but a little bit. He had okay speed there. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say, look, Kyle has been kind of all over the place. The weeks you bet on him, he crashes yeah. out. The weeks you don't is when he shows up and, <clears throat> and runs well. Um, Denny, I can't put my finger on it. And Truex, A, it's desperation. B, he's been very, very good and has led a bunch of laps on these flatter tracks like New Hampshire. Led 172 laps in New Hampshire. Led 82 laps at um, Nashville. He led uh, 80 at Richmond earlier in the year. So, you know, I'm kind of on those two guys from JGR. All right. Uh, I guess we'll scroll on down. Uh, I don't know. Does Chase Elliott excite you very much at 10,800? No. Really? Is it just how Hendrick has looked on this style of track this year? Yeah. Because Byron... Got a bunch of Dominator points here earlier in the year, and then he went and won Martinsville, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, there is there is that. What did Chase do? Chase only had a so-so race here. Like, he was 10-5 last time they were here. He put up 34 points. Started 15, finished 14, had eight fastest laps. Mm-hmm. You need a whole heck of a lot more from Chase Elliott at that price tag. Um, Kyle Larson, like, the whole Hendrick gang... Just, I don't know. I feel like they all know they're going to make the playoffs, and they're kind of content to just... They're just coasting. They're just kind of coasting, and then we'll see like them kind of turn it on um, a little bit. Now, Larson was able to pass here in the in the spring race. Started 21st, 25th <clears throat> um, at 10-2, and he's 10-3 this week. So, there's that. I don't know. It, what is your feel on Hendrick? Like, how are you ranking Hendrick this week? Uh, my thoughts on Hendrick are, obviously, I'm not as confident in them as I am with JGR because I have more faith in JGR, like, just showing up with the right setup. Right. For Hendrick and 
a lot of the other teams, it's going to be what did they look like in practice and, and how well they qualify. And even then, I don't know how committed I'm going to be. Um, you know, we we finally got a good week out of Alex Bowman last week, but so what? He started 30th, and he was just the ultimate chalk. Um, right, he was a free square. Yeah. yeah. Um, Byron had a pretty good race, but it's like, you know, he started 20th, finished 12th, didn't have a single lap led or fastest lap. Um, <clears throat> so I really just want to see what they can offer. Um, I guess I'm kind of on board where it's just like, I'm not, I'm not crazy about this team. I'd rather take a look at the, you know, the playoff picture and see who needs a win, which is Truex, Blaney, and a handful of other drivers. And I'm trying to see like, you know, who's just going to be racing for track position and points. Um, because you are a little accurate where it just seems like all these Hendrick guys could just be waiting for the playoffs to start. Um, I'm not sure if you have any other thoughts on that, but otherwise I was just going to pivot right to Ryan Blaney. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to do with, with Byron at this point. I mean, we saw him flat out dominate this race and then Martinsville, and that speed has just not been there. He only has one top 10 since Martinsville. Yeah, and he's not topped. Like, he's had 41 laps led, and that was in Atlanta. Uh, Other than that, nothing better than, like, 25 laps led in any given race. So, I don't know. I'm with you. It's going to come down to what we have to, you know, what they're showing on the track when they're on the track. Um Blaney, man, he's like a habit I can't kick. Yeah, but he's been good on the style of track this year. He has been. He has been. And it's not like he was bad at Michigan. He finished fifth. Um, uh, you know, certainly got back on the right side of the uh, scoring column there. He wasn't great the- at New Hampshire, but uh, Phoenix, he led over 100 laps. Yeah. Uh, Richmond in the spring led over 100 laps. It grabbed a top five with 31 fastest laps at Martinsville. Um, you know, finished fourth at Gateway with 38 fastest laps and 12 laps led. So, I mean, 9,900, like, I imagine there will be a decent amount of ownership on Blaney. Um, needs the win, has had solid runs on this style of track. I'd be surprised if that team just put up a dud and just farted their way out of this race. I I tend to agree with that. Um, as for his teammates, I'm treating Joey Logano like Denny Hamlin, man. I can't figure that guy out. Yeah, that's kind of fair. I mean, he did win Gateway, didn't we? Didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't really, like, did he really dominate Gateway? Not really. 20 fastest laps, 22 laps led. Basically um, a track position at the end. Yeah, he had track position. He held it well. Um, he did win Darlington, but that's not really comparable. Um, I don't know. Like, Logano didn't exactly run very well here early in the season. He ran okay at Phoenix. Like, and I have no idea what to do with Austin Cedric right now. Um. Like, <clears throat> Like, I know, I know you can't really count Michigan against him, right? Because, like, basically half the field wrecked out of that race. 
The uh, weird, what's so hard to gauge with Cindric though, is that he won the Daytona 500, and then he went on a very prolonged, like Daytona hangover, right? Where he was having just a ton of bad results. He got worse. He got worse finishes in each of the next four races. Yeah, he really like didn't 12, turn it 19, around. 24, 32 until like Coda. Yeah, I mean, he really. He had a pretty solid month of June. Um, last week, I'm kind of with you. That was, I don't know, that big one just kind of sucked. Also, it's Michigan. You can't really, like, Michigan and Richmond are completely not com- opposite com- of the spectrum for NASCAR. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. He had a very good June into early July. Yeah. But now he's had since like since New Hampshire he's had one top ten and it was at the crazy brickyard which we basically expected him to do well at anyway. Uh, I don't know if I'm going Penske it's going to be Blaney and then the other two I'm going to have to see what they look like. I think the other tough thing about Cindric too is that he could go out and just qualify well. I think uh, I mean dating back to the Coke Six Hundred. <clears throat> even Kansas before the All-Star race. He's got a handful of starting positions inside the top six. Yeah. And that right there, um, you know, he, he doesn't scream as the kind of guy that can, at this stage in his career, because he's still young, just doesn't let your jump off the page as the kind of guy that can, uh, like, dominate a race necessarily. Right. Um, however, I'll say that if he somehow lands on the pole, then I'm very interested, or even if he's on the front row, because you know we've seen the front row at Richmond have DFS success, and we've seen the pole sitter make it into the optimal lineup almost seven straight races. Yeah, I was actually just going to go there. Yeah, I think it's been six or seven straight races this year, regardless of layout, like legit six or seven of the last six or seven races in which the pole sitter has been in the optimal lineup. So... So there is that, and like we've said before on short tracks, if you have track position, it can be very tough to pass on short tracks. Um, yeah, we gotta. I, I don't know what what are we doing with Chastain and Suarez? Uh, I'm still playing Chastain, just because I know that the car is is pretty much showing up fast wherever they go. Um, I understand he hasn't really paid off for DFS purposes the last few weeks, um, <clears throat> especially with Pocono, very chaotic road course race at Indy, um, and last week's debacle. Um, it was ugly, but that car had speed last week, and it was fast, and it was running up front until he and Suarez pitted, and then there was almost an immediate caution, and they were trying to make the lap up. But then he got into Bell. Uh, all in all, I'm still going to play Chastain. Suarez, it's probably going to depend on where he starts but i'll i'll be mixing in some shares of him too just because i know that car will likely have speed as well um yeah as long as the tire doesn't go down i do think that chastain is putting himself in a spot given the most recent results where we could start seeing a little bit of leverage with him not a ton because if he keeps qualifying outside the top 15 which he's done in four straight races they're just going to be Plenty of people that still flock to him, but I, I, they show up with speed on. It doesn't matter the style of track. Like those, those cars are fast. Yeah, I mean Suarez started nineteen, finished ninth at 
New Hampshire. Um, he had a pretty good run at, let's keep going here. Got to scroll all the way back to the Toyota Owners 400. Had a solid run at Richmond earlier in the year. He was a lot cheaper then than he is now. Um, like, Martinsville's never been his track, so I'm not really going to hold that against him, really. Um, Phoenix, good run. Started 23rd, finished 9th. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's going to depend on where Suarez um, qualifies. For me, I'm starting to get a little tired of the uh, Ross Chastain one-trick pony I've got speed, and as long as, I'm, as long as I don't hit anything, which turns out to be really hard for him to do, <laughs> then I'll have a good day. But if something gets in my way, I'm going to run over it, and then I'm going to wreck your day and get another set up. Like, there's no way he makes it through the playoffs. Literally no way. There's like 17 drivers that want to take pot shots at him when the playoffs start. Um you know, Denny and Chase are at the top of that list, but now you've got Christopher Bell is on the list. Pretty sure Kyle's Kyle Bush is gonna do it just because it's just because he likes playing that role. Um <laughs> you've got like a bunch of other dudes who are lining up to take shots at him. So I'm getting a little tired of his shtick. Is is kind of what I'm saying. Uh any love for Kevin Harvick? Tyler Reddick, the last two winners in the Cup Series. Uh, Harvey gets a price bump to 9100 uh, Tyler Reddick, uh, price dip, actually. He was 10000 for the Brickyard, or the road course race at Indy. He was 9700 last week, and he's down to 8800 Yeah, still 600 bucks more than the last time they were at Richmond, which is, he was 8200 uh, He started 16th, finished 12th with 11 fastest laps in that race, so almost 5x there with 40 points. Um, I don't know. This isn't necessarily his favorite style of track. Nope. He he did run well at Phoenix. Um, The problem is the high line at Richmond doesn't necessarily come in all that well, which is what he really wants to have happen. Um, So, I mean, I'm okay with it. I think it's interesting to see where they'll come out in in ownership given the price points. Um, I mean, Kevin Harvick was fast at Richmond last time. He's shown really good speed in like six straight races now. Um, so I think he's going to be a little bit more in vogue than Tyler Reddick will, even though Reddick's cheaper. Um, just because, like, Harvick just keeps just keeps locking in these top tens for you. Doesn't really matter where he starts. He's going to get you fast laps. He's going to get you maybe some top, uh, you know, some laps led. But he had speed at, at Richmond earlier in the year. He had speed at Phoenix earlier in the year. Clearly had speed at New Hampshire. Um, arguably could have won that race. Um so, yeah, I, I think I'm probably leaning a little more Kevin Harvick than Tyler Reddick, but the leverage is probably higher on Reddick's side. Uh, Bubba Wallace was not good on these flatter tracks earlier in the year. However, he's on one of the hottest streaks of his career. 
Four straight top 10 finishes, three of those in the top five, including a runner-up last week at Michigan. Uh, he's priced up to $8,000 right now, though, and this is not a super speedway. This is a track that he just historically does not perform all that well at. But, again, he's in a Toyota. There's only six of them in the field. And, you know, if this is like a satellite or affiliate of Joe Gibbs Racing, we have to imagine that the Toyotas will show up with the right setup and we'll get to the other Toyota after Bubba. But do you feel okay with Bubba going into this race? Because I'm, I understand he's on a hell of a run, but I'm still a little – nervous about playing him at this track because if you lose track position here if you lose a lap or two it's really difficult to make it up agreed agreed he hasn't been hurt by his pit crew since they swapped yeah but i don't think bell can complain about it either no but also the tracks that they've raced on since they swapped there was not very much penalty for a pit issue Right, it was it, tough to go a lap down with everything except for, I guess, New Hampshire. Um, I'm kind of with you, right? Like, I, I want to get some exposure to him because he's on a hot streak, and until he doesn't have the, also not to mention that if he wins, he's in the playoffs too, right? Like he's kind of fighting for a playoff spot at this point as well. Um, but it's not a track that's been historically good for him. I get that this is the best equipment he's been in, but even earlier in the year in the same equipment, it was not a great run at Richmond. Um, you want to turn your attention to the last Toyota in the field? A guy we kind of touched on with some some scenarios earlier. Um, Go for it. Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs, man. I Look, he's going to be popular again this week because people just want to play Ty Gibbs. They just want to get exposure to him. He's coming off a top 10. He's done well at this track in Xfinity. Like, it's... Kurt did well in the... Has, you know, did well earlier this year in this car. Um, so, I mean, I get it. People are going to want to get exposure to him. But I... I don't know, man. I don't know what the... <clears throat> I expressed my opinion before the podcast, and, and I understand it's before practice and qualifying, but I do have my concerns this week just in terms of how I think the the race narrative could play out because this is a track, <clears throat> short, flat tracks where drivers can lose multiple laps. It wouldn't surprise me if he got a little bullied by non-Toyota drivers, Fords, Chevys, wouldn't be surprised if he somehow, if he maybe put the car on the wall, fell a couple laps down. Um, and, and my opinion could change if he's fast and qualifies well, because if he qualifies well, I have more faith in him holding the position. Whereas if he qualifies poorly, a lot of people are going to jump on the PD. But I'm, I still might not be entirely sold because while the PD is there and like the opportunity. Yeah. He's got to yeah. fight his way through the field. He's got to fight and his way through a field at a track. It's going to be a fight. Pass, yeah. Um, yeah, and that remind yeah, you and I were talking about this before the pod. That reminds me, we brought up Justin Haley at the Clash, who had speed, and obviously that's a far shorter track than this one. That's a quarter of a mile track, right? But Justin Haley, Cup rookie, had speed, was up with the big boys for the first time, and got flat bullied in that in that just got shoved around like a tag team 
um, match, like Chase and Denny did to Chastain at Gateway. Like, I can see that. I can see that happening. If he starts up in the front of the field, or he's or he's got at least one teammate that he can pair up with to try to make it through the field, he becomes a lot more attractive. But if it's just him on an island trying to work his way up, I'm not <clears> sure. <throat> yeah, I don't really want to like take away anything that he's done so far. Like, he's been he's been very good. impressive. Yeah, like I understand like he was scored from tenth at Pocono, which was stupid because he started at the rear as for the driver change, but finished top twenty in every single race. Got his first career top ten. He's he's so talented, and we were talking about him at the beginning of the podcast about where he could end up next year he's he's very very good he's going to be in the cup series full-time in two years and i yeah, guess i shouldn't be that surprised that you know 40 to 1 winner this week and he's like uh currently on dk sportsbook he's plus 650 for a top five i mean not terrible odds and he most certainly could do it but at the same time i just I want to hit that right week when he does bust in a race because 7,600 is still a price tag that people will pay for Ty Gibbs because this is a value play for all intents and purposes. But this is one that's gaining traction and the popularity. I feel like last week was the week he wanted to be heavy on Gibbs. And I think this week, if I'm just going looking at it from an ownership perspective, I think I may be a little bit underweight in the field. And we'll see what happens. I'm only playing the Chrome Horn nowadays just because I've I stopped playing the $50, $24 single entry contest just because the variance this year has been a little bit of a pain in the ass. But if I'm only doing 20 lineups, I, I, as it stands right now, I'm not that committed to Gibbs uh, for the moment. Yeah. Speaking of variance, there's been 50. Did I, I bore you to death right there? <laughs> um. <clears throat> No, it was it was a great it was a great uh, breakdown. I was just saying. Speaking of variance, I read a stat this week that said there was fifty. There's been fifty five percent more DNFs in the Cup Series this year than last year. So that's a huge jump. We almost never see jumps anywhere close to that high. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, protecting your bankroll at this point is crucial as we go further down look there's not a whole lot of dudes between like let's say (laughs) 7200 and like the rest that i'm all that excited about (laughs) um maybe austin dillon because he kind of has a knack for showing up on tracks that you don't necessarily expect him to show up on Mm mm-hmm um, and he was decent at New Hampshire. He was solid at um, Nashville. If you want to go back to um, the spring race here, he got a he got a top ten here at Richmond in the spring. Um, for Phoenix, it was an okay race, not great. So I'm okay going with Austin Dillon, seventy two hundred bucks. Um. Didn't Kislowski have a ridiculously eventful Richmond race in the spring? I'm sure he did. I'm sure I was overweight on him. I'm sure he did terrible. Oh, I mean, that, I mean he finished thirteenth, really but like I started nineteenth and finished. I seem to remember him kind of yo-yoing for some reason, and I don't know. 
Yeah, he got all the way back to 27th at one point. Finished 13th. His average run position was 13th. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty decent, pretty decent run there. Um, and look, you can't deny the speed that's been showing from these RFK cars over the last several races. Kislowski has five straight top 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, five straight top 20s. Um, only one of those is a top 10, but that was at New Hampshire. So, I, I don't know, man. It's pretty hard to get excited about, like, Amarola, Busher, Stenhouse. Um, McDowell's got the weirdest stat line in quite a while at the spring race here. <laughs> um, I don't know. didn't mention your, your boy Ty Dillon. I mean, he's quality, right? But it's nothing to get excited about. Like, he's he's going to qualify poorly. I mean, he's going to qualify poorly, and he's going to finish, like, 24th. And then you're good. But, like, is that sexy? No, not really. Like, it's dependable. It's <laughs> it's like a Ford F-150, not like, like the Ford Mustang GT or the Ford GT, right? Like... <laughs> He's good. It is a little tough this week, and 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 I don't think we need to necessarily preview all these value plays because they will present themselves to us after practice and qualifying. Right. But it is unfortunate when you know that you have to go down there and hit the right ones because this is a race where you really do need multiple dominators. Given what we've yeah. seen from the next gen car on a variety of tracks, um, even these short flats, you know we're gonna see multiple dominators. That's that's just how it's gonna be. Um, and I mean, even if you just plug in Bell and Truex right away, you're left with 29,800 on DraftKings for four remaining drivers. Sticking in the Brad Kislowski, Ty Gibbs, Chase Briscoe, Sindrick, Austin Dillon, arguably Chris Buescher, or Eric Almarola, you're, you're basically rounding out your lineup in that range. Or if you're trying to get up for maybe a more expensive PD play, let's assume Alex Bowman starts toward the rear once again. You know, you, you really do need to find the right value plays, and it's hard to make an argument for many of them right now. Right. Because I know we talked about McDowell and here, but at the same time, I'm not thrilled with his results in this car on this type of track. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I mean, they'll present themselves, right? Somebody's going to screw up qualifying. Almost guaranteed. People yeah. do it every single week. Um, and for those wondering what I mean by McDowell's results, he started 22nd, finished 27th at Phoenix. Uh, previously at Richmond, he finished 30th, which we alluded to with 31 fastest laps. Finished 25th at Martinsville uh, at Gateway. Started 17th, finished 18th with 34 laps left. So it's like that's probably the only good performance he's had, and it was saved because of 34 laps led, uh, finished 28th at New Hampshire. So it's like, I just haven't liked what I've seen on this style of track. Agreed. Agreed on that one. Um, I don't know. Maybe Graxon comes and balls out because he got himself a full-time ride. Good. Uh, he could. Uh, don't think know. he will. But <laughs> he did not he race this one in the spring. So he's kind of going to be a noob on um, – on this track in a cup car. So we'll see what happens, but 
Maybe that scares some people off. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about quite a few guys continuously this, this year between Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland, you know, whatnot. But somebody down there is going to is gonna be in the optimal because they're going to have to be. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's Ricky Stenhouse. I don't know. Didn't run all that think- well here. In the spring, but prior to that, he'd actually been he'd actually been pretty solid at Richmond. I'm pretty intrigued by Almirola because we know this is a style of track that he can do well at, and we've talked about it numerous times. But it's mostly the price tag that I really like at 6,800 because he was 8,000 for Phoenix. He was 77 for five for Martinsville. I mean, he went backwards in, in most of these races just because he was starting so high. But I mean, he got a top five at Gateway, and so I think I think DraftKings is mostly sleeping on this guy's price tag because the results he has three finishes outside the top thirty in his last four races, so the results have been bad. But this is a style of track he can thrive at, and he's way too damn cheap. I would <clears throat> look. I'll take shots on him in GPPs because you have to um, assume he's also going to qualify well. I mean, he qualified 10th there in the spring. You can only PD from wherever he starts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he qualified 10th there in the spring. He did finish 21st, so that's that's not great. But he does have a decent history here. Um, the Stenhouse, prior to the last two Richmond races, finished 17th, 18th, 16th, 16th, and 13th at Richmond. So... That's, you know, and he, and he moved up in all but one of those to finish there. So that's intriguing. Not saying it's great, but again, anybody that's down here, we're basically going to go with like a stable of two dudes for cash down in this range. It's basically going to be Ty Dillon as one of them. <laughs> um, and then you could just take a guess on the other guy. But... For GPPs, you're going to need somebody like a Stenhouse or an Almirola or Kislowski to, um, you know, finish off a lineup or get you a hit somewhere that you weren't expecting. Because, yeah, if I go Harvick, Blaney, Truex... It gives me sixty eight hundred bucks for the last three spots on average. So I go and Bell, if you no take Almarola, you still have like sixty eight hundred for the last two drivers. Yeah, so that's kind of where we're looking at this week, folks. Is you gotta get you gotta get interesting with your builds, like Austin Dillon. Put him in there, Stenhouse, <laughs> and sixty eight hundred. Hey, look, guess who I wind up with? Eric Almarola. <laughs> Harvick, Blaney, Truex, Austin, Dillon, Stenhouse, and Emerald. Free lineup. Enter it. Win big. We'll see. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on? I, I know we're both kind of fading. It's kind of late. Uh, long day for you, I'm assuming. Long day for me. Uh, yeah, is there I'm anything else you want? Battling some cold of some sort. I tested negative for COVID, but like, um, worn down by like six o'clock, which is weird. Um, 
No, I would I would say, you know, strategy-wise, it's going to be two dominators and then just kind of try to peg the guys that can finish the highest. If you right? can make a three-dominator lineup and you're comfortable with it, go with it. Go with it. I mean, we did see four guys lead more than 60 laps here in the spring. Yeah. I'm kind of expecting a similar result. Uh, this weekend, I don't think anybody at this point in the season is simply going to run away and hide uh, for a race here. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, normal content schedule playbook will be out Saturday, projections Saturday, sample lineup Sunday. I'm on playbook this cup series. Um, and yeah, and if anybody has Series XM radio, you can catch me not only on with Bensty on Alarm After Hours on Friday night but you can also catch me on nascar radio at 1 30 eastern on sunday uh, i will be talking dfs and fantasy for the race about an hour and a half before green flag drops nice um so yeah so that should be that should be a fun time um but yeah other than that it's Richmond. We got three races left until the playoffs, and then Ross Chastain will no longer exist in the Cup Series because he's going to get run over in every playoff race. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. He's going to be smashed like a watermelon. Um. So yeah, well, who knows? If we get a 16th winner this weekend, all hell is going to break loose in the next two races. All right. Well, man, thank you for your time. Best of luck to you this week and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.